Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer, WEEU and Reading Pennsylvania and the Golf News Network. I'm JT and this is where we talk about to and about the truly interesting people in the world of golf. Uh, This portion of Grilling at the Green is brought to you by Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and Gunter Wilhelm Knives, Unmatched Quality, Comfort, and Efficiency, for your enhanced productivity in the kitchen online at gunterwilhelm.com. It's the time of year, uh, lots of tournaments going on and not just on the pro uh, ladies or men's, but lots of benefit tournaments, company tournaments and all that. And a tournament that this show supports every year is through the Wilsonville chamber of commerce here locally in Portland. And uh, it does some great benefits and and supplies scholarships and things to people that want to get in the trades, among other things. And so I've invited back my friend Kevin O'Malley, the CEO of uh, the Wilsonville Area Chamber of Commerce. If you're not familiar with Wilsonville, it's just a little bit south of Portland. It's a beautiful city. I used to live there. Kevin, welcome, buddy. Awesome. Good to be here, Jeff. (laughs) Thanks. And uh, hi to the audience who are uh, regular golfers, not pro golfers, right? They <laughs> right. pay to play. Yeah, they uh, pay to play. We're talking about a. <laughs> that's the difference. That's the we, difference. We believe that we remember the last good shot we had, right? That's the only thing I care to remember. So it it yep. ke- keeps my mind free of clutter. <laughs> Put it that way. So what's going on with our tournament this year? Got to get a little update from you. Well, uh, July twenty eighth. We we picked what we think is a perfect date uh, at. Exceptional course, Langdon Farms. Uh, I know you know it, and uh, for most of your uh, listeners, it's uh, one of the. It's always in perfect condition. I don't know how they do it, but uh, hats off to, to Langdon Farms. But we have a really fun, fun day of golf uh, opportunity to play for not only some great prizes, but uh, a very good cause. As you mentioned, we do workforce scholarships, so. Uh, uh, not everyone is going to go to a four-year university for, for college and anymore for, uh, many of your listeners, uh, virtually every business I talk to is, is struggling to find, uh, uh, find, uh, find workers and, and career opportunities are great. So whether it's an automotive, uh, somebody moving into automotive, which is really necessary, could be welding, could be any type of workforce, could be hair salon. Uh, they need, uh, you know, they need tools, they need training. Uh, that's what we raise money for, uh, along with the good work of the, the chamber. So uh, we are looking for folks who want to golf or want to support uh, workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, the workforce stuff is kind of near and dear to my heart because 
I I live yeah. with a woman that's <laughs> deeply involved in this <laughs> stuff and have for a long time. Um, yes. And it, you know, one thing I'm I'm amazed at, Kevin, truly, and and not just through the tournament, but through what my wife has done with her program at the college and stuff over the years, how much it truly positively affects people to take the burden, if you will, of the expectation of going to a four-year college, walking out with a degree that you pay lots and lots of money for, even if it's at the state college level, and then, you know, they they kind of send you on your way, pat you on the head. They don't even pin a 20 on your uh, cap and gown and say, best of luck to you, <laughs> you know, but when you go through the, the workforce um, different programs, you've got a, an opportunity to get a job right away if you want to pursue it. And that's what amazes me. And it's impressive to me that uh, what work that you do there at the Wilsonville chamber and, uh, and congruently you work with my wife on some issues. So, uh, you know, fact, um, truth be told there, which is fine, but I, I'm really impressed with the amount of placement too, that, that people coming out of these programs can find employment. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, there once upon a time, uh, uh, years gone by, we, we thought of it as blue collar and it, you know, in, in some worlds that's somehow lessen a career, but, uh, that's certainly not, you know, not the case now. And in fact, I read somewhere where a, uh, a plumber, uh, is expected to, you know, to, to make as much money, uh, after you take off all the, uh, malpractice insurance that, that many, uh, uh, medical professionals have to pay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's really not only fulfilling careers, but high paying careers, uh, in, in a, in a, genuine workforce environment and there's there's a, a skill or a, a or a trade all over the place and, and again um folks are starting to figure that out and we're we're seeing now that you know among among peers here when when uh, kids are graduating from high school it's like you know um they have they have signings now not just to go to college and but they have signings to you know to be a, a chef or to you know to as i said to be a, a welder uh that you know those are uh in, in europe uh, you, you work and, and your work is considered, you know, important regardless of whether you're a street sweeper or, or what. And I, and I think our younger generation is turning around to that, you know, work-life balance means I'm doing something I like and, uh, make some good money on it. Then, uh, that's a win-win. Absolutely. I mean, um, honestly, you know, I'm from an older generation. I'll just put it that way to be kind to myself and yeah. to you. Um, and, um, you know, when we got out of school, it was, it was different then because first of all, there wasn't as many people graduating. Um, right. You know, we just didn't have the population base in those days, but regardless, you know, pretty much everybody like I went to college with got a job, you know, that summer, mm -hmm. some of them were ready to go the next day. Not the case uh, now, unless truly, unless you're in one of the trades that uh, like you say, a welder, a plumber, electrician, what have you, linemen for the utility companies. Uh, there's sure, there's sure. a lot of opportunities out there. So let's talk a little more about the tournament, Kevin. Uh, we've got some sure. prizes. I know we've got uh, Hogan Wedge and hat and golf towel and umbrella and a bunch of stuff like that that we procured from the Hogan company. What else are we shooting for that, that day? Uh, we, got, we got some pretty amazing gift cards. 
we're going to keep it a secret because we we want folks to, to to show up. If they're really dying to know, they can drop uh, drop me an email at Kevin at WilsonvilleChamber dot com. <laughs> really, what what we're trying to do is say, hey, uh, we are a you know uh, a, a not for profit and use help and and getting the word out. So uh, if if your listeners want to help you, want to help you know uh, a, a great tournament, uh, we would love to ask them to to share the WilsonvilleChamber dot com and uh, say, hey, you know. Get a we got we got a onesies we got twosies we got foursomes whatever you want to do come on out uh, there's fun at most all of the holes uh, with some fun activities uh, we don't nickel and dime people you know asking them for you know for money all around the the course we want you to have a great great experience uh, have a good uh, good lunch it's a early morning start uh, so you know if you want to go back to work you can go back to work on on Wednesday and uh, still. They'll put in a, a showing and uh, we would just love to have your support and uh, help us uh, get some golfers. And Hey, if you're interested in sponsorship, of course we have that uh, open as well. Oh, sure. And I, no, I'm not interested in going back to work after the tournament. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do that a couple of years ago and I, and I really felt, uh, what do I want to say? Um, pressured upon because <laughs> I hear I, yes. I show up in my golf togs, so to speak. And everybody in the, and there's like, where have you been? Oh, I was playing in a tournament this morning because I had to go do a couple interviews or something. And so that was that was a really cumbersome afternoon for me to do that. So the big question is, are you going to play this year? Now you got out of it a couple of years ago because you had a bum foot, bum leg, and uh, you hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I can snap, slap on my uh, my brace because I have no <laughs> ACL. So there, there has been rumors. I'm. I'm I'm looking for a ringer. So if there's a ringer out there, and I'm working on one. There's a ringer out there that wants to play. We we got a deal. We got a deal. Not that we might be. So there there are always uh, a, a few foursomes that are highly competitive, and we set that up separately. And then everybody else is just to have. I said it's there to have some fun, uh, meet some folks, and uh, um, you know remember their last good good shot. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, it's fun or it can be highly competitive because after all Langdon is a superb course. So it's going to test you if, uh, if, if, if the golf guards even are going in, uh, looking fondly that day, you will still get tested out at Langdon, right? Yeah. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Real quick. Where can they yeah. find, give us the website and stuff one more time, please. Wilsonvillechamber.com. Kevin O'Malley, CEO of Wilsonville Area Chamber. Um, we thank you for being on the show. I hope you find your keys, my friend. And we'll be back with more Grilling at the Green right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer, and the Golf News Network, and tons of platforms out there on social media for podcasting and stuff. We've got 14 of them or something now, so you can find us. Um, also, one of our folks down at Langdon Farms, down there in Aurora, right off of I-5, their uh, prime rib dinners are coming back, and the restaurant is open, and they have to practice all the social distancing protocols and all that, but I was actually in there last week and had lunch it felt kind of weird being in a restaurant all by myself but there was other people there but uh, was you could go in and sit down and, and eat so check them out also if you'd like to email us 
Very simple. Info at grillingatthegreen.net. Info at grillingatthegreen.net. You can send me an email there, ask any questions or any suggestions about a show. So we're talking with Jeff Wallach, his new book, uh, Mr. Wizard. In the in the book, uh, kind of a preface, you know, they discover some things after their mom's passing. The brothers do. They head out on an, head out on an adventure, especially to Ireland. Um, and there's all kinds of little subplots in there and stuff. I'm going to let you kind of pick it up and, and just give us an overview of that. Sure. I, I would describe the book as a sort of genetic treasure hunt. And these two brothers who grew up, grew up in uh, New York in the 1970s with, with a mother who was irreverent and playful, and she was always setting up word games for them, scavenger hunts, that sort of thing. So that's a theme throughout the book. Mm -hmm. And the book itself is a metaphor for a treasure hunt where the two brothers are, are looking for something very specific and very important to them. Um, and there are clues along the way. And I, I like to think that the reader is trying to figure out the answers one step ahead of the brothers. I was, I was, but it, you know, when you talk about <clears throat> a couple of Jewish guys in Ireland, that kind of throws you for a loop a little bit. If you're kind of thinking big picture about that, <laughs> you know, it, uh, Ireland's a great country, but when they're specifically, uh, looking at stuff and they only have a very small clue on that of what they're, where they're supposed to go to look for it. Um, to me, that's kind of fascinating how you wove that in there. And, um, you know, I'm part Irish, um, part mutt on the other side, I think, but it's, right. but it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of fascinating. And the, and the, the interaction between the brothers, Jeff is always, uh, you know, they're, they're not 20 years old anymore. They've lived a lot of life. They've been successful in some things. They've, they've done things. Um, they've got skills and talents and all that, but there always seems to be this underlying tone of that missing piece. And, um, how important was that as far as the theme to go through the book? I think that drives the characters uh, each of the brothers reacts to that same thing in an almost opposite way, which to me is what's interesting uh, about their relations to each other is that they're, they really don't have that much in common other than their upbringing and what they learned as kids. And a lot of what they learned as kids were sports and games and other types of competitions. And so here they are even in their fifties and, they're still driven by some of the same things that drove them when they were young. And that's really fun. I don't know if you have any siblings, Jeff, but you oh, know, yeah. my brother and I, when we get together, I mean, things haven't changed in 50 years. <laughs> well, I happen to be the youngest uh, in my family. And uh, what's interesting is my brother's close to 15 years older than I, I am. And he's still around. And so uh, I really didn't get to know him until I was out of college because growing up after, you know, the age of four or five, he wasn't around much, yeah. you know, like that. So it was really interesting to have that gap, like in my life, because we found out after I got out of school 
we did have a lot in common, but uh, and then on other things, we were just polar opposites. So um, life's a funny doesn't, thing. Doesn't it make you wonder if you have those things in common because what? Is there a, is there a genetic uh, basis for some of that? I'll tell you something funny. I used to play golf with my dad you know, for a long time, starting when I was probably 10 or 12 years old, all the way into my 40s. And, and my dad had one of the worst golf swings that anybody has ever had in 600 years of golf being played. And I would always be correcting his swing and trying to help him and, uh, you know, applying anything that I knew about the golf swing. And then the first time that I went for a lesson where they shot some video of me and I watched that video, I just slapped myself in the forehead and I went, Oh my God, I have the same swing. Is it kind of like Jim Furyk on steroids type swing? Yeah, I can't. I don't even want to describe it because people will turn the radio off. <laughs> well, my biggest problem is I've got to uh, swing around what is in front of me, i.e. my stomach, uh, because I'm also a cook on my other shows. And, um, yeah, I carry a little tonnage up there. And so I'm always kind of looping around things, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what makes it such a creative sport, right? I mean, I remember when I was uh, 24 years old and I could wrap that club practically around my head in the backswing. Mm -hmm. And now I've got the little old man backswing that barely makes a turn. But I've learned how to use that effectively in the same way that when I used to be able to hit the ball really far, uh, I used that effectively. Maybe that's a correlation to writing, Jeff. You learn as you go along that you can be a little more effective with a different type of style of character development or something. I don't know. I've yeah. only, I wrote one crappy cookbook and so, and some articles, but I've never done any of the work like you have. So maybe that's, that's, a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. We'll see about that. Do you, um, do you get to play golf on a regular basis anymore? I do. Well, for a long time, for about 35 years, uh, I wrote, mostly golf and travel articles for magazines and newspapers. And so I got sent, I think I played golf in 35 countries over the course of my career and maybe a thousand golf courses around the world. So I used to play quite a lot. I probably played 80 or a hundred rounds a year uh, back in those days. Now I'm down to more like oh, once a week uh, with a couple of trips thrown in there where I might play 36 in a day if, if I can make it around. Sure. Um, but uh, especially with, uh, you know, with all the recent close, closures, uh, golf is one place that we can go and see our friends and get out and get some exercise. Right. We are going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green, and we will be back in a few minutes uh, with Jeff Wallach, the new book, Mr. Wizard, right after this. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at BenHoganGolf.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, and we're talking with Jeff Wallach today. Just his new book out, Mr. Wizard. Jeff has written for... Oh, the New York Times, Golf Magazine, the Oregonian here locally, lots of stuff. Um, a number of books he's authored, so he's done a great job with that. But I want to say real quickly, we want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also the folks at Ben Hogan Golf, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. That's Ben Hogan Golf at benhogangolf.com. 
And uh, um, you already know the email, how to get a hold of me. So that's not a big deal. Let's get back to talking with Jeff. When you start writing a book like this, Jeff, do you have the a general concept idea or do you go, okay, this character is going to go here, one, two, three, four, five, and I'm going to work that into the story. And this is where I want him to end up. And then the other character, same thing. This is where I want him to end up. And you fill in the blanks or do you just let the story kind of develop as you write it? Yeah. Good question. Uh, with this particular book, uh, I didn't even know I was writing a book. I had written a short story about these two brothers and their relationship, sent it off to an editor uh, who's always been very generous to me with his time and his comments. And he said, I really like this relationship, but I don't think this has concluded yet. And I thought about that and I thought, oh, all right, let's see what happens uh, if I keep writing and continue and what will develop. And as I went, I began to have some idea of where it was all going and what it was about. But um, I have to say that for me, the process of writing the book reveals a lot about what's going to happen. And, you know, there were a couple of twists that occur later in the book that um, I didn't even know what the answers were to these particular mysteries, maybe uh, in some cases until the second or third draft. Wow. That's, you know, I've always wondered about that truly because the way certain characters, you know, fill up in this one and you give him the background and you blend in his story and then they're on the, the hunt, so to speak. And, you know, you've developed the story enough, well enough that it fits. One of the reasons and I told you right at the, the start of this that I'm not a big fiction reader is because sometimes they develop a character and then he goes completely off the character path, so to speak. And you're not sure why, but, and, and that's not being redundant or careful. It's just that you keep building that character uh, in this case, Philip and Spencer. And it's kind of like when you're done, you say, yeah, I can see that all the way through. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I'm glad it seems that way. It, it, it is, uh, that's a lot of what the revision process is all about, is smoothing out the surfaces. You know, you're, you're adding layer upon layer upon layer, not just character, but plot and scene and all of these things. And, and uh, you get them all down the first time, and it's fun, and it goes quickly. And then uh, you settle into the real work of, making sure that, that everything makes sense, that it's consistent, that the themes are expressed clearly, that the turnaround moments happen at the right time, and the revelations are, are of things that people will look back and go, oh, that surprised me, but of course it was that. It had to be that. Right. Now, you talked about you being part Scottish in your real life. Was there ever other situations where they that was kind of a wow moment either for you or your brother that you called upon when you wrote this? I'll have to think about that a little more. I, that was really the big one was learning that we weren't exactly who we thought we were. And that's the thing that drives the action of the book. I mean, there, there have certainly been other surprises along the way, but that, that was the major one. 
Well, I can tell you a story, and people don't get offended by this, but growing up, now, I'm a child of the 50s and 60s, okay? When my sister, who's the middle child in our family, when a and I don't even know why I say this other than sometimes we're, you're right. We're not who we think we are. The guy would come to take her out on a date and my dad would go, you want to see a picture of her grandmother? And he'd drag him in the house and he would have, and my dad was friends and traded horses and stuff with the uh, Indians at warm Springs. And then up at Umatilla at Pendleton and stuff. He did a lot of that and he would take pictures. We have lots of pictures of the Native Americans there, but he would have some not so flattering pictures and he would say, this is Ramona's grandmother, um, you know, two spotted mules, or he'd make up some name like that. I noticed the poor girl never got two dates for some reason, you know. <laughs> anyway, just thought I'd throw that story in there, Jeff. Yeah. It, but I don't think that we all are who we think we are, at least in our heritage. I think there's always stuff in there that we're not we're not sure about. But your guys, Philip and Spencer, overall they seem to to handle it pretty well. Philip better than Spencer, I would say. But uh, you know, it it's um it's a learning experience. It is, and. Uh... People respond differently to the same thing, and that's one of the ways that uh, characters are defined, how they react to something. And the difference between two characters might simply be explained by the way they respond differently to the same stimulus. Right. That certainly happens in the book here. The brothers are very, very different people from from the day they were born, from from some of the early episodes in the book where their kids in the in the seventies and they're playing board games in the basement. And one brother feels like they have to follow all the rules of, of every board game and play them as they were meant. And the other brother wants to take the, the hotels from the monopoly game and use them as, as border fences on the risk board. Yeah. And he wants to take the little, uh, the little kids that rode in the back of the car in the game of life and, and, you know, use them as hostages in the game of Stratego <laughs> And his brother just can't abide by any of this. And, and even just sitting down to play a board game is a major personality dispute for them. Oh, yeah. And then you throw in Cousin Leah. That's a whole different deal there. That is a whole different deal, although I don't want to say too much about that. Right. But I was, I think a lot of us had Cousin Leah's, actually. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm going to say that we want now welcome Bruce Furman with his golf tip of the week. Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms Golf Club. And today's tip, I'm going to talk a little bit about your grip and, and your wrist positions. And most people that are average players have no clue. They just hold the club, whatever feels comfortable. But the face is the biggest determination of how the ball starts. So the, wherever your face is aimed at impact, that's where the ball is going to start. And then the combination of the path, meaning the direction your club is, is going, and the face, that determines how much it's going to curve. And so how you hold the club and how your wrists are when you swing back and down are very important, and you should understand what your tendencies are. And There are 
three basic wrist positions at the top of the swing. There's bowed wrists, and that's somebody like John Rahm or Kepka or Morikawa. They usually have what we call a combination grip, where they have a weaker left hand, and I'm talking about a right-handed player, by the way, a weaker left-hand grip and a strong right hand, and that tends to bow the wrist. And There's a lot of guys doing that right now. It's not that easy to do. I don't normally recommend everybody trying to do that, but it, it does work. And then there's what's called a flat left wrist at the top, and, and that's more of a neutral grip, and that would be somebody like Tiger or, or Adam Scott. And then there's a cupped wrist at the top, and that's usually from a strong grip, which means for a right-hander the grip is to the right, or you'll see more knuckles. Somebody like Couples has that. So how your wrists are at the top and how they come down, whether you're flexing your wrists, which means bending the palm down towards your wrist, or you're extending, raising the back of the hand toward uh, your, your forearm, those things make a big difference on how that club face comes into the ball. And so you should understand that. And if you don't, you should go see a pro and uh, make sure that you understand that and match all those things up. And then you'll play a lot better golf. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. For more of Bruce Furman's uh, instructional um, availability to you, our listeners, just check it out at Langdon Farms. Go there, click on the golf instruction. Bruce is the director of golf instruction there. And uh, maybe schedule a lesson with him. He's a great guy. He's been trying, trying, that's the optimum word there, trying to help me for several years. Uh, we're going to be back with Jeff Wallach, talk more about his new book, Mr. Wizard, uh, right after these messages. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer, and the Golf News Network and multiple platforms around the world. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you know this, but I looked it up the other day. I think there's now officially... Uh, a podcast for every two or three golfers in the country. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't. But uh, one thing we've got going for us is we're actually real radio on top of being a podcast. So that's kind of a good thing. Were you happy when you finished Mr. Wizard? I was thrilled when I finished it. Although it depends on what you mean by finished it. (laughs) Um, The the finishing of the first draft was probably where I was at my most ecstatic. Um, the first draft took me about six months to write. It was just pure enjoyment and entertainment and surprises and laughing out loud. And, uh, but that's when the real work began another 18 months, grinding it out to uh, polish it and revise it and add to it and change it. Um, so when that part was finished, then was another round of, of minor ecstasy. Um, and then back to the grind in trying to find an agent or a publisher in a very difficult uh, publishing climate in this world and in this country these days. Um, and then when that came to fruition, uh, another, uh, another round of great joy. So it's been an up and down ride. When you were writing the book, Jeff, did you ever like, 
look at your wife or the publisher or whomever and say, you know, I need to go to Ireland to do some more research and take off with your golf clubs for uh, a couple of weeks. I feel that way all the time, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I was, I was lucky enough in my career as a, as a travel journalist to get over there probably six or eight times over the course of my career. Uh, so that's a place I always love to go back to. I hope to go back, uh, still in some connection with the book and do a reading or a presentation somewhere or even just uh, further research at the Guinness storehouse. Well, there you go. I, I can certainly appreciate that. And maybe, you know, you've got to see how you're holding up against the, uh, the links courses over there. Uh, you know, grass grows taller. So they say, so, you, you know, take lots of golf balls with you. I can tell you that for certain. <laughs> well, I get some good practice on the Lynx golf here uh, at Band and Dunes, which I'm lucky enough to get to once or twice a year. Well, good for you. Good for you. Are you have you got another book um, kind of in the works? Funny you should ask, as I'm sitting here with it in front of me on my computer screen, uh, but I am at the very, very beginning scribbling a few words, doing a lot of research and doing a lot of thinking and hoping that I have it in me to get through uh, another two years of work on this. Well, I hope you do too, because you did a great job on this. So um, kind of one last question, if you will, on Mr. Wizard, at least we're going to pick it up in the after hours. Jeff's going to stick around for that. Out of all the characters you developed in this, what was your favorite character? That's such a hard question. Well, uh, you know, we had a little talk before the program started, and I think my favorite might be your least favorite. Uh, I'm a big fan of Spencer, the younger brother, because he is so irreverent and, <laughs> and you know, just a little out of control. And well, he was very fun. It was very fun to write the dialogue for him. Oh, sure. Now, I got to tell you, my... My opinion of Spencer changed once he decided not to go home when he was in Ireland. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. But once he got there, he seemed to take a little personality turn in the road for a while. And so um, without giving too much away, then he became one of that. I actually found the one that the mother was the one that I was really kind of interested in because um, you know, the book's really about the boys, uh, treasure hunt, as you call it, which is true, but there could have been a, a hell of a tome written about their mother, I think. That, that is true. And she really, she, she appears live in the book for about five paragraphs. Yes. Yeah. And then she's gone. Um, but she's still responsible for almost everything that happens after that first page. So, yeah, I think, I think she is, she's a very interesting character. And I, I mean, I would love to know more about her too. Uh, where can they find the book, Jeff? Uh, well, they can get the book on my website, jeffwallach.com. They could go to my publisher's website, open books. That's open dash bks.com. They could get it on Amazon. And of course they can go into any bookstore and ask them to order it. Jeff, it's been a pleasure. He's going to stick around for the After Hour Show. We've got to get out of here for this week. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Um, 
Folks, be nice to one another out there. Take care. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.